What is up, everybody? And welcome to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast. I'm your host, comedian and sicky boy, because I'm a fucking sicky boy right now, Joe Kilgallen. I'm feeling very much under the weather. I don't feel good. Uh, my voice might be okay for a little bit. If I have to do some coughing, I apologize. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sick, and I'll, I'll explain what's going on with me in a second. But first, I always like to start off with a little bit of gratitude. Let me thank all of you Patreon subscribers. You guys are amazing. little late on the latest bonus podcast because I've been sick. I almost didn't do this one tonight. Um, I just want to drown myself in NyQuil and some whiskey and pass out for about 35 hours. That would be phenomenal. That would really that's really the cure all. And if we had a health system in America that gave a fuck, then maybe that would be the the prescription, right? You just tell your boss, look, I got a real bad cold. It's gonna linger and I'm gonna get the whole office sick. Or you could let me black myself out for the better part of two and a half days. What do you think? 35 hours, it's even two and a half days. Two and a half work days, sure. But you know, it's like fuck, man. Anyway, so I want to thank all you guys. You guys are the best. I've been doing one bonus episode a week and some other fun stuff. Uh, the latest bonus episode's a little late, but it'll be up tomorrow or the next day. Promise. Promise you there. So thank you. Thanks to all the YouTube subscribers. YouTube's getting some more views lately, which is great to see. And hopefully that translates to some of you coming out to the big event. The big event, October 1st at the gutter in Brooklyn, New York. Tickets are now available. I will be shooting my fourth, my fourth that's right, four hours. That's insane to me that I'm about to have four hours of stand-up comedy released into the wilderness. Man, it's cool. It's awesome. You know, when I'm gone, when I'm long gone one day, people will be able to go back and listen to that stuff. And they'll think some things, I bet. They will think some things, my poor kids. So um, tickets are available. Uh, again, I'm shooting my fourth hour, The The Man. James Webb is directing it. James Webb recently directed Sam Morell's special that is currently available on Netflix. He's directing mine. I cannot be more excited. Comedians You Should Know New York crew is producing as well. It'll be at their room at the gutter in Brooklyn. It's a really cool bar. A really cool part of Brooklyn. Greenpoint is the name of the neighborhood just north of Williamsburg. And that'll be Saturday, October 1st. Two shows. One at 8 p.m. and one at 10.15. Tickets are available at cysknyc.com. So it's seven letters, C-Y-S-K-N-Y-C.com. C-Y-S-K stands for comedians you should know. All right. Enough of the plugs out of the way, but I really hope, obviously, if you don't live in the area and you can't make the trip, tell your friends, spread the word. I want to pack these shows out to get the best audiences possible to make myself look like a fucking badass. I'm still rocking a beard right now, although lately I've been debating about shaving for the recording. But then part of me is like, you know what, though? I'm in my beard stage of life. Right, you look back on these and you recognize different parts of your existence, and you're like, you know what? I was a fresh-faced child in 2014, 2015, with like a, a little bit longer hair, and then I tightened it up a little bit. Good luck in 2019, 2020, smooth face, good jackets. Then 2022, you know what? Though you're more tired, Joe. You're older, 37 now. You get a little, you get a little white in the beard, a little or gray. I don't know if it's gray or white, but it look, it looks white to me. Anyhow, so I'm debating about shaving the beard. Let me tell you about being sick. Ooh. So it's not COVID, thankfully. Um, what happened was I was putting deodorant on early last week, and I'd been feeling real fatigued, you know, and just kind of tired. And it was only a little bit like, what the fuck's going on? Because I'd been getting pretty good sleep, you know? And it was 
on a Wednesday because the Tuesday before I went to the Cubs game. Shout out to my guy Crawley. If you're a Cubs fan, follow Crawley's Cubs Kingdom on Twitter. Good follow. And I uh, saw a bunch of other good dudes. Uh, Stu from Club 400, Danny Rocket. If I'm forgetting a name, I apologize. Anyhow, I had to jog to catch up to him because the game was a 6.40 start time. I was running a little late. There's some traffic, blah, blah, blah. You don't give a fuck. But I parked about six blocks from the stadium because I don't like to pay for parking. And I'm running. And I had ran around the whole weekend before. I played softball. I was I was flying around the bases. So I felt like I was in good shape. Dude, I'm like 30 yards into this jog slash run, and my legs felt like they weighed 300 pounds. Felt heavy as fuck. And I'm just like, what is wrong with me, you know? And I just felt very fatigued and lethargic. That's a good word, right? When you're, you don't want to just say tired. How do you feel? Tired. No, you want to go for those fucking scrabble words. I'm fatigued. I'm lethargic. I am feeling weary. Like that's, that's really, you want to get medical with it to let people know that you're fucking for real. Am I right? I'm right. Anyway, so that day I was fine. But the next day is when it really started to settle in. And um, I was putting deodorant on. And I noticed some lumps. I know that's scary. Whenever you hear lump, you go, ooh, that's not good. In my armpit, my left armpit. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, eee, that's fucking gross, right? I think nothing of it. I try not to get too wrapped into it. Because here's the thing. If you go on WebMD and go lumps in the armpit, they'll respond with, you have a week to live. You clearly have a super AIDS that only affects armpits. Did someone put their dick in your armpit? Probably, and now you're dead. That's because that's what WebMD does. They go out of their way to scare the fuck out of you. And most of these Google-related websites that have anything to do with health care, that's what they're designed to do, I feel like. I would like one time to Google, hey, I got like a thing on my knee. And then they'd be like, you're fucking fine. Relax, you little bitch. One time. But it's always like, you have a scratch on your knee? I hope you have life insurance. I hope you made a will. Because you're going to die. Like, that's all of these websites. They're just designed to scare the shit out of you. So... I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to dig into it too deep. The next day, I'm feeling around. I'm like, do I have more? Another bigger? I showed my wife, and she's like, yeah, it's redder now. And I think it, they did get, there's more. There was like two yesterday, there was four. And so that's what's nice about being married to a nurse. She's like, all right, well, let's make you an appointment. Make me an appointment. Thankfully, I had something like the next day. I'm able to go in, tell the doctor about it. She feels around my neck too. And she's like, yeah, you got some swollen lymph nodes going on here. And she's like, I think it's just something viral. You don't have a fever, which is good. We'll take a COVID test just to be certain, but I'm pretty sure you don't have COVID. And I'm like, all right. Did the COVID fucking, you know, where they rape your goddamn nose with that long stick? Oh, that sucks. And then uh, that was negative. Good news there. And then with this, it's just, she's like, if it doesn't go down in four to six weeks, come back. So I'm like, are you not that worried then, right? But I, and I wasn't coughing at all. Over the weekend, the cough hit me in it fucking hit me hard like to the point where i just i had to go down to the cvs down the street and get some nyquil and just go to town on that stuff that stuff is heaven sent you know what i almost bought though because they almost tricked me these sons of bitches the like not the nyquil brand but it was right next to it it was a couple bucks cheaper so i'm like fine as i'm walking toward the eye the, toward the register i mean i'm looking i'm like non-drug who the fuck first of all nyquil because it's night should always be drowsy i don't want non-drowsy NyQuil. That's DayQuil. DayQuil is non-drowsy because you have shit to do during the day. NyQuil is supposed to make you pass the fuck out. And that's why it's one of my favorite drugs. I, there was a time in my life where I was really worried that I was going to take so much NyQuil that when I truly needed it, it wasn't going to work. Because it tastes good too. You get that grape NyQuil going. Man, I remember in my early 20s getting a real bad cold and just being like, 
like drinking NyQuil like it was fucking Gatorade, man. You know, people like like to drink orange juice a lot when they're sick and all, the, all sorts of other stuff to replenish and rehydrate yourself. I was going to town on NyQuil and I was joking saying, I'm going to do a shot of Jameson. I'm going to drop it into a glass of NyQuil and call it a NyQuil bomb. And it's going to sweep the nation as one of the best shots to do because it will make you black out in like the best way. I love, love sleeping on NyQuil because it's this drowsiness. Just the word drowsiness, you know what I mean? May cause drowsiness. Ooh, I get excited reading that, man. I love any drug that may cause drowsiness. It's just a fun, like, first of all, fun word, right? But just think about the type of sleep you get. The type of sleep you get on NyQuil. I love it. I remember I had it last night. I remember I was watching like Always Sunny in Philadelphia, right? I'm on a new kick. I, I pick a new show I like to fall asleep to every now and then. And I've been falling asleep to reruns of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Wonderful show, by the way. And I'm just watching it. You know, one episode ends, the next episode begins. They got that really fun theme song. You know, it's a classical music kind of, kind of like curb your enthusiasm in a way. And then I'm just kind of like, ah. Oh. And then it just washes over your whole body. You feel heavy in the eyelids. And then it just, oh, just this comes over you. And then your your throat and lungs are like, no, one more cough. And you're like, <clears throat> and you're like no, fuck you. No more coughs. And then you're just, and you sleep. And you sleep good, right? Until you have to wake up. And then you're like, son of a bitch. Just one more one more hour. Oh, I need one more hour. And I try, I tried to get a, a nap in, but I was worried that I was going to sleep too long and miss picking up my kids from school. I got that real fear as a dad. You know, one's three, one's five. And they're going to be like, you weren't there for me. You missed pickup. And that's just something I never thought of as a as someone growing up, you know, because I, I always lived near the school. So even though I was really little, I think I just walked home. It was a little bit different time. But now it's it's like a whole pickup drop-off fucking situation. And so I'm always worried. I'm like, that's my big fear that to miss that. And you know, the other parents be like, hmm, what were you doing? What were you doing where you missed picking up your child? Is there, is there something more important than your child? It's like, how about I'm fucking hopped up on the quill and I'm out of my goddamn mind and delirious right now and I need some sleep. I don't need your judgmental eyes. What the fuck do you do all day, huh? You attempt to do one workout, you got in the Peloton for three minutes and started texting and went online and went on all the stupid Facebook watch groups. You want to see a sad group of people, everyone? Look to your neighborhood Facebook watch group. Holy fuck. Anytime there's something out of order, they panic. You know, I saw a raccoon by that one store. They got raccoons, I think. Yeah, I didn't know there's raccoons in the city. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to go to that Walgreens anymore. They're fucking pathetic, these people. You're spending all your time. That's what they do all their time. And, and Chicago's as a city is very polarizing these days. So it's even more annoying. Like a, a place will announce, oh, Phil's Pizza's closing. And everyone's like, see, this is what fucking happens when you elect Democrats, sons of bitches. And then it's like, you haven't been to Phil's in six years, asshole. And furthermore, they're retiring because they're 109 years old. All right, business is closed. They've been around for 60 years. They deserve a break. Not everything's fucking political. Jesus Christ, man. And then they were like, there's other things too. Anytime a kid's walking down the street with a hood up, I saw a kid, he was walking with, with the hood up and it was raining earlier, but it wasn't raining at the moment. And I saw him, I looked like he looked inside a car. Like he didn't stop to look inside the car, but he walked past it and his eyes glanced into the car. And I'm just thinking, do I call the police or do I just get out and start beating the shit out of them with a gun myself? Do I pistol whip him myself or do I, I shouldn't even bother the police. They're, they have too much to do as it is. I should get out of my car and just shoot him in the fucking neck, right? Tell me I'm right, everyone. They're all like thumbs up and yeah, you should do that. Anyway, 
Facebook watch groups for if you want to read psychobabble, that's for you. All right. Hopefully I feel better. Hopefully I, I, I get through this, but I, I stick by the NyQuil, everybody. That stuff's amazing. Um, my armpit lumps seem to be going down. Weird reaction. Never had that before. For viral, it's like a viral infection I have. That happens to people. Who knew? Who fucking knew? All right. Here's something I teased on last week's podcast. I talked about Elvis. I'd watched the Elvis movie. It came out of my hotel room. I didn't see the whole flick. It was pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, the guy who did Elvis, the actor, I forget his name, but shout out to that dude. Phenomenal. They made him look just like Elvis. Sounded like Elvis. Had the mannerisms down. Perfect. The guy was perfect. <coughs> Excuse me. Told you I had a cold. Elvis's manager was played by Tom Hanks. And that guy was a piece of shit. Not Tom Hanks. Good guy. He and a great actor. So he's going to nail any role. The pacing of the movie could have been quicker. I remember thinking at one point, because I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, this movie's probably wrapping up. And then it went on for another 45 minutes. And I was like, okay. But that's my one critique, I guess. But I did want to talk about Elvis as a whole. I was never a big Elvis guy or whatever, you know. Um, you know, my dad was into the Beatles. So we were a Beatles household. He liked Elvis, though. I never heard him say anything bad about Elvis. But, you know, he grew up where the Beatles were, you know, they were the shit. Um, if he was older, you know, Elvis probably would have been his guy. But Elvis became a superstar when my dad was like two or three or something like that. So it was a little bit different, right? And at that point in the 60s, Elvis was doing more movies than, you know, albums and shows and all that kind of stuff. So let me put this out there on Elvis. I had heard over the last five to ten years, maybe not ten years, but I'd always heard this assumption that Elvis was a racist who stole music from black people, right? He like straight up heard them singing it and was like, I'll do it myself. And didn't give them credit and was a, a racist, right? That could not be farther from the truth. And it's sad to me how lies get, just how they spread and how people perpetuate them. You know, uh, with Elvis, the lie originally started. So right now I'm going to go, this is this segment's going to be called Elvis is not racist. He's not. You can't find anyone who knew him well that said he had a racist bone in his body. That was actually what some quotes were from uh, black friends of his. They're like, no, he was not. So Elvis, when he was growing up, his dad went to jail for a little while. So him and his mom moved to Memphis, really, you know, kind of a poor section, and they were the only white people there. So Elvis growing up, all of his friends were black. He hung out with all the black kids in the neighborhood, and he was inspired by gospel music. That's what he watched. That's what he looked to. That, that was his thing. He was like, this is the best music in the world, right? Gospel, rhythm, and blues, the blues, big fan of it all. And and he got to be a good singer and learn how to play guitar, and they welcomed him, and they was like, yeah, this is part of his culture too. Kind of like in the way that no one really shits on Eminem because Eminem grew up listening to rap music. He respects the history of rap. He knows the history of it. And he that's just the world he ran in. Whereas remember Kid Rock, when Kid Rock first came out, he was trying to do rap. And everyone's like, dude, you grew up in a fucking mansion and you're not in this world. You're just trying to fucking literally make money off of it. Now, that's where I get annoyed with the cultural appropriation stuff. Because there's too many claims of it that are like, is that really cultural appropriation? Is it, you know? Um, Led Zeppelin, definitely cultural appropriated because they stole an entire album off of an old blues singer and try to pass it off as their own. They, there's literally people, they, they wrote written by Jimmy Page and Robert Plant on songs that were already written 30 years prior by some old blues musician from Mississippi or something like that. And everyone's like, well, here's the original recording clearly from like 1941. 
and here's yours from 1976. And they're essentially the same. And then they were like, oh, you bod. You know, I don't know how th their accents are, but that that's what happened. So yeah, Led Zeppelin, thieves. Elvis, he never he only got songwriting credit on one song, all shook up. He wasn't a songwriter, he never pretended to be. He was a recording artist, is what they and an entertainer and a singer. And, and he played guitar and he perfused dance, you know, he danced, he put some energy into his shows. That's what he was. He was an entertainer. That's all he wanted to be was an entertainer. And singing was the way he entertained. He this a lot of the songs, by the way, that he did that were originally recorded by black artists weren't written by the black artist, were written by someone else given to a black artist. A lot of big time Jewish writers back then, by the way. A lot of big time ones right now, too. But as far as songwriting goes, a lot of them, you know, like, do you know, um, nothing but a hound dog was written by a Jewish guy. And then even going forward a decade, a song made famous by the Isley Brothers and the Beatles, uh, Twist and Shout, written by three Jewish guys from the Bronx. Who knew? I did now, actually. Now you all do. So those artists and the artists who did write the songs that Elvis would want to sing, they all got writing credit. There was never a case in which they, they weren't giving them writing credit. And in music, the writing credit is more money than anyone else. The writer of the song makes more than the band. That's always how it goes. So if you like, yeah, songwriting, writing, publishing, that's where the big money is in music, you know? So to say Elvis hated black, here's how that rumor first started. It was in the fifties. Elvis was equally popular with white and black youth. Older whites, the segregationists, which was a big time. That was a big thing in the fifties in the South was keeping everyone segregated. They hated that shit. They were like, we don't like that. This boy, they, they, they first wanted to stop him from becoming a thing. He's up there gyrating, shaking his hips. They thought it was too sexual, right? They thought he was a white guy acting like a black guy, which was something that really pissed them off. So they were like, we got to, and then they realized they couldn't stop him too big to stop. You know, so they did the next thing where it's like, well, let's divide, which is what they do throughout history. That's been the thing where they try to divide people that they know they because they're like, ah, too powerful together. We got to separate that. Like all the workers and stuff like that. If you ever read any of these, like a, read a book, like a people's history of the United States, it talks about how like all the poor people, regardless of background, were like getting along real well. And then they're like, well, we got to stop that. So then they had police forces break them up and then it's like well we'll give these people opportunity as long as they start shitting on these people it's, it's kind of fucked up so with elvis they said they put out a rumor that elvis said this elvis said like oh the only thing i like about black people is they buy my records and other than that they're useless to me something like along those lines i might be getting the quote wrong which is obviously a horrible thing to say elvis hears this denies it saying i would never say that ever in my life but in a lot of circles the damage was done right Thankfully, he had a lot of people getting his back, but I think that started the thread. And then it went on and on later in life where people like run DMC, who later retracted it because they didn't know any better, said like, well, fuck Elvis. He hasn't done anything for us. And he just you know ripped off the black community and all that. So I think there was just a lot of people who probably grew up thinking, all right, wait a minute. This artist sings this song, but Elvis sings this song, but everyone talks about Elvis's version and Elvis is the king and all this kind of stuff. It was that king label that kind of made people go, Ugh. and Elvis was too shy to give himself that label. He didn't go around going, I'm the king. Uh -huh. Like, no, that was just, you know, a nickname. It's like Michael Jordan never came out and said, I'm the greatest of all time. LeBron did. And that's why a lot of people are like, ah, real goats don't say that, you know? So I got three people right here, three quotes from different 
um, African Americans, uh, black people. I guess I could say I could say I don't know why I said that. All weird. Sorry to my black listeners um, who backed up Elvis being like, no, he wasn't racist at all. He was like the greatest dude. Um, here's one more Muhammad Ali. It's about Muhammad Ali, who first I'll tell you about how he idolized him. This is cool. As a young teenager, Ali was influenced watching Elvis become successful during his breakout year of 1956. He was particularly impacted when Elvis followed through on his promise to buy his mother a car and a house when he became rich. Ali says, I was 14 years old when I heard Elvis say that. I remember saying, when I get rich and famous, I'm going to buy my mother a car and then a house. After my first pro fight, I bought my mother a pink Cadillac. After my second fight, I bought my folks a house, just like Elvis. Elvis Presley and Ali first met in February of 73 in Vegas and were photographed together. Presley presented Ali a custom-designed robe made especially for Ali. The bedazzled or bejeweled, I should say, white robe had a similar look to the jumpsuits that Presley wore on stage at the time. <laughs> Excuse me, everyone. Um, Ali reciprocated by giving Elvis boxing gloves that he signed, Elvis, you are the greatest for Muhammad Ali. Peace, 1973. On this picture of the gloves. Really cool. Um, and yeah, Ali said he really liked the way Elvis dressed explained he's he said like he just loved everything about elvis um and elvis was a guy that like you know that was the thing too that muhammad ali goes on to say he goes black people were pretty particular about things if we're gonna love you you got to be the real deal and elvis was the real deal you know he says here's the exact quote we black people are kind of funny about music ali told the crowd of elvis fans we aren't going to follow someone unless they've got soul little richard chuck berry michael jackson but the only white boy that had soul who could sing as good as any of them was Elvis. He had singing ability. He had everything. He was pretty. I know. And when it comes to boxing, nobody has the class, the style, the wit, the speed, the beauty of Ali. And when it comes to singing, nobody had everything like Elvis. I'll tell the world Elvis was the greatest of all time. You know? And that's Muhammad Ali, a guy who always spoke his mind. He's famous for that. B.B. King, also a great interview I came across where B.B. King was on the old Charlie Rose show talking about how he's like, Elvis didn't have a racist bone in his body. I don't know where these rumors started. Elvis always gave us credit. He talked about it a lot where he was like what he was influenced by. You know, he goes, we were all just inspired. He goes, with music, there was no color. You know, Elvis didn't view us, you know, there was no white or black. There was just music and what was good and what grabbed your soul. And, and this is B.B. King, the king of blues. Um, another great one. I've got this. I'll tweet it out tomorrow so you guys can see it on my Twitter feed. Elvis Presley's backup singer, Myrna Smith of the Sweet Inspirations, remembers how Elvis was told to leave the black girls home for a show in 1970 that they were doing at the Houston Astrodome. Um, and Elvis said, basically was like, no, I'm not going to leave them home. And um, they did like a thing where they drove around the Astrodome and he made like the owner of the place or whatever um, daughter drive them around. So a white, like white, 21 year old girl driving around three black women who were in the back of like the you know what was it, like a corvette what would that have like probably like a corvette where they're waving to the crowd as you drive around um yeah he refused to they were basically like saying you could drive around and do your thing but we're not gonna have black women here this is houston he said well then you're not gonna get elvis right you know what i mean that was in 1970 he could if he was a true racist he would have made something up you know he wouldn't have fought for that it would have been very easy for him to be like all right you know what I mean? And then told them, hey, I'm sorry, they got rules here. And then later, you know, so I just, I, I don't, I feel like some things just start to snowball, right? A lie gets going and not enough people have questioned it. Cause look, it sounds, it sounds like he would be racist when you break it down in a weird way, right? This guy who's a big star in the 50s and early 60s, 
right? Got, got, became kind of, you know, with the jumpsuits and doing karate on stage. I still thought that was kind of a fun era as I dug into it a little bit more watching YouTube videos. But yeah, they just thought like, oh, look at this good old boy with the big sideburns. I'm sure he hated us and then or hated black people. And then everyone just started going along with it. And then later you find out like, oh, no, he's actually far from that and a great guy. So, yeah, that part of shit kind of bothers me a little bit. How we just accept whatever we hear as long as we hear it enough. And it, no, it's frightening because, you know, Noam Chomsky talked about it with um, with the media, with the bigger media reach gets, the more propaganda gets spread. And that's the thing with social media. It's like, this is great for sharing information, but it's great for sharing misinformation. And you can just keep the lie going. And it's that sucks. So if you get a chance, listen to some Elvis music, right? As you listen to it, just be like, this guy, no, this guy's an entertainer. And that's what he's just trying to do, he's trying to entertain. He had a cool voice, like to shake his hips so all the girls would go nuts, right? Girls were feeling things they never felt before. This was the 50s. Very conservative. I don't think women were allowed to have orgasms in certain states. So Elvis was up there gyrating, doing his thing. And black people and white people were liking him. So all the conservative whites were just like, we got to stop this shit. Started telling everyone he was racist when he wasn't. And, and then the lie kept going. That's sad. But no, Elvis, Elvis was a goddamn entertainer. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. This cold is brutal. All right. What can I wrap it up with you on right now? Um, it's going to be in the 80s the rest of the week in Chicago, which I'm actually happy about because with the way I've been feeling and the weather we had today, it made me think to myself, great, it's going to be dark at four o'clock real soon. And it's just, you know, I'm going to have a stuffy nose for three months. All right. Um, the queen died. Huh? The queen died last week. It was about four or five days ago now. And I'm not going to come up here. Look, here, let me just say this about it. Twitter was hilarious in a lot of regards. It really was, especially Irish and black Twitter. They were very funny. Um, and a lot of other ethnic groups that were wronged by the monarch, the monarchy. Um, I have a lot of English friends. Not a ton, but a good amount. I love the English Premier League. Man City. Love them. That's my team. Um Come on, city. Um, so like I I know some of them are probably like bummed out, right? The queen means something to them. Although most of the English people I know don't really give a shit, but they don't want to hear their country being trashed and all that. Um, but I'm also from Irish stock, and um, you know, she didn't do shit. She could have used her platform to stop a lot of horrible things, and she didn't. Uh, so I'll just say this. Let me talk about this. Let me give you a different perspective than everyone else's. Because look, it was four or five days ago, so it's not like anything's breaking news on my end here. And I'm wearing a Beals hat too. They came from England. Um, although three of the four of them, Irish blood. So anyhow, <laughs> excuse me with this cough again, anyone. I've been sick all week. Um, I, I, You have to separate things when you look at cultures and countries and the people. I wouldn't want everyone to judge Americans based on who our fucking leader was at a time or all that kind of stuff. So I try to separate the two. I'll say stuff like, you know, I've read about Margaret Thatcher. It sounded like a horrible piece of shit. You know what I mean? Most of what I've read about her, I'm like, oh, this woman was terrible. She made like poor people, like their lives harder. They called her the milk maiden because they started like taxing milk for fucking poor kids. Like just like shit like that. You know what I mean? Um, she sucked, right? So, but when I think, read about her, I don't think, well, now all English people suck. No, because it's just like any other country. Most of the English people in there probably fucking hated her guts too. You can't just think like, oh, that's whoever the leader of France is. If he's a dick, that means the whole nation's a bunch of dicks. You don't want to believe that. All right. So like, I wouldn't want everyone to judge Americans based on 
um, how shitty Trump was or how shitty Biden is at times too. You know what I mean? I, I think all of our, not all of them, but a lot of them, it's just, that's the nature of the job. I feel like if you love your president, it's like, you're kind of a nerd, right? I don't know. There's been a few who have been pretty good here or there, but like, it's just, so I don't judge. I don't, you know, but in the same regard, English people, you got to separate that too. You got to understand. I know you're probably thinking, what the fuck? She just died and everyone's shitting on her and it wasn't her fault. And that happened way before her and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. You're the symbol of that. And when you're super fucking famous, like to that degree, people are going to dump on you when you die. You got to learn to handle that. I guess. Uh, don't try to take it too fucking harshly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I just don't like beating a dead horse. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Um, Cause it's like, it's already been talked about so much. Now, if I was doing the pot, if it happened right when I was doing the last week's episode of the podcast, probably would have dived into it a little bit more. Um, look, I got English friends and they're good people. And I'm from, I'm, I'm not from Ireland, but I've got family from Ireland. And if you look at me, you can see my big dumb Irish potato head. And uh, so, yeah, I, I get, I get people on that side being like, Lizzie's in a box, Lizzie's in a box. They're all cheering and having a good time. And then I get my English friends being like, well, yeah, Queen Elizabeth was pretty nice. She did some charitable work there a little bit. Um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where it's just another story that won't be a fucking story in a week. How about that? All right. I got to go drown my sorrows in NyQuil and whiskey. And um, hopefully I'm feeling a lot better. Patreon subscribers, thanks for the support. You will have a bonus episode very shortly. Um, with Hopefully by Wednesday. Today's Monday night. By Wednesday. Um, cause I gotta get some good sleep. I gotta get some good sleep. Right. Um, and again, if you were in the New York area, October 1st, I will be recording my fourth hour calling it good grief. It's a cool title, right? So October 1st in New York city at the gutter in Brooklyn to be precise, two shows, eight and 10, 15, go to cysknyc.com. All right. I'll put the link up in the show description. You guys are the best. And as always, cheers.